The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Sooners360.com. This is Matt from over at 360, and I'm joined by Chris Mason, our recruiting analyst at 360, as well as a special guest tonight, Caleb Cummings in your playbook, Sooner55 in your hearts. He's one of our staff members over at 360. This week's episode has a lot to unpack, starting with the latest commit for the class and first commit from the portal, Jacob Lacey. Chris, you want to tell us a little bit about Lacey over uh, from Notre Dame? Yeah, he's he basically this season around around game four, he basically sort of pulled himself from the Notre Dame roster so he could redshirt and made it clear that he was going to enter the portal. So instead of only having one year, he has two years available. Uh, he's 6'2", 6'1", about 280, 285. Uh, he was a top 200 player out of high school. Uh, uh, Todd Bates recruited him out of high school, so there was a there was a long term relationship connection there. Both LSU and Kentucky used official visits to bring Lacey in, so there was quite a bit of competition for him. And I think actually most folks were kind of surprised that OU kind of came in and and won this recruiting battle. Uh, I'll be honest, when you kind of peruse the Notre Dame websites, you kind of get a little bit of a mixed review on, on Lacey. Some play. Some some sites say that he kind of lost his starting job, uh, and the other other sites are they're 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 concerned they've lost Lacey because they felt like he was a, a very good part of their defensive line depth and have missed his kind of leadership and his and his and his playing on their D line after he, he sat out. Um, Caleb, have you had a chance to kind of look at some film of 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 Lacey and give us uh, give us another opinion? Yeah, no, I have. It's my opinion. I would say doesn't probably vary much from from your thoughts on him, right? I think one of the things you see, you know, uh, is he's played a lot of football, which oh, I think OU needs right now along the defensive line, particularly defensive tackle. Uh, looks like Jalen Redmond may be going to the se- uh, Senior Bowl and may go to the NFL route, you know. And and what you get with Lacey is a guy. I think he was a 2019, uh, the class of 2019. You know, but he played 11 games as a freshman. So walked into Notre Dame on, a, on on good teams that are playoff contenders. Some of those teams made the playoff, right? And he was playing right away. Uh, to your point, he's a little undersized. Uh, but, you know, even though he's probably in that 280, 285 range, six, he might be six one if we stretch him out a little bit, if you get him kind of come out of bed first thing in the morning. But, uh, you know, he's a bit of a spark plug, right? He doesn't, he's he plays strong. Got strong hands. He's a, he's he's got a little more athleticism in terms of like foot quickness, you know, uh, than maybe what we've seen with some of the other guys uh, that have been in Norman uh, over the last well maybe decade really. Uh, so you know, and he's had some had some productivity, right? So I think you know you're looking at a guy that comes in out of a coming out of a top program. He's been developed as one of the best strength conditioning programs in the country the last four years going to come in, you know, ready to compete. He's physically ready. I think he'll add, you know, whether it's depth uh, and someone that can rotate and play or, you know, maybe a guy that can 
potentially push for a starting position. I think, you know, kind of what you're getting there, you know, maybe not an all American, but, uh, you know, uh, a guy that you're going to be able to lean on and be able to count on to, to play good winning football for you. Yeah. I, I just like the fact he's coming from ND. So I'm from Notre Dame that's had really not just because of that brand name, but really because the Notre Dame defensive lines have been very, very competitive, very, very good. Uh, and I also like that Brian Kelly, um, who obviously knows Lacey, coached him for three years, felt enough to bring him in and try and move him over to LSU. So I thought that was both of those are just really good signs that OU is getting a really there's there's not a lot of floor with Lacey. OU is going to get a yeah. going to get a really competitive, uh, really productive player. Yeah, those are those are great points. I think you know uh, both of them. You know, like we talked about a little bit with with Notre Dame, uh, and something you know Brent is trying to change with Oklahoma is, is that culture. You know, culture of being more physical, more physical along the line of scrimmage. That's something that Notre Dame just that's what they are. It's who they are, and it's who they've been. So he comes from that. He understands that they can play up to that standard. And then to your point, I mean, LSU, uh, you can go look at their roster and it's chock full of, you know, top 150 uh, kids that were defensive, you know, defensive tackles, five, a couple of five stars, highly ranked kids. So they're not, you know, hurting for, for young talent and for talent at defensive tackle. So for, for Brian Kelly to, to see him enter the portal and realize, Hey, this is a kid we need one on this team. I think that says a lot to your point. That's, that says, that says, you know, at least what he feels about his uh, ability to contribute. So, so it's a, quick, it's a, quick question yeah, for quick question for both of you guys, Caleb, you just, uh, brought up culture fit. Um, I know on the board, it's been brought up that sometimes some of these guys play a couple games, um, decide they're going to move on. They hold out, they redshirt for the rest of the season. Um, do you guys have any hesitation with a player like that fitting into this culture? I think the, I think the staff change kind of, kind of changes things a little bit. Um, in terms of that, so I, I'm not so much so worried because of Bates' relationship um, with him from out of high school. I, and I think really, I think, you know, at Notre Dame, I think he was kind of getting a raw deal a little bit. That's kind of what I'm reading between the lines and all the Notre Dame message board activity. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an interesting point because I've heard some of the same uh, where Notre Dame just wants to be bigger and longer uh, at defensive tackle. And so maybe there were some younger kids or some guys that, uh, you know, maybe it was close. Maybe, maybe Jacob was in front of, but, you know, kind of moving on to those guys because they see what they want to be and they're trying to make that transition. Now, normally I would say, uh, you know, Matt, like normally I'll be the guy that says, yeah, you know, uh, bit of, if it's old school or what, but do you quit on your team midseason and why? Uh, what, what went on there? This one, I think, is it is different in a sense, and not just because he, it's not because he chose Oklahoma, but it's because he was like he was a four year, you know, started some games, but a four year contributor on this team who who snaps. I think it dwindled, and you've got a guy who wants to be able to take advantage of you know essentially that COVID year and wants to be able to play uh, and finish out you know college and you know and doing it on the field. And so I think, you know, his motives weren't, uh, you know, weren't, you know, bad, right? He, he, what he did is, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it with him. I don't think it'll be an issue. I think he'll be able to come in and, and be, a, be a leader and a contributor. 
Yeah, there's certainly two sides to every story, right? So like like Chris said, we you know, the previous relationships with Bates and this staff, you know, he's vetted. I think it's it shouldn't be a problem. And then we also have more coming from the portal later, but in the meantime, signing days coming up. Um, things are really heating up with the last few spots left over in this class for high schoolers. Um, Chris, do you have a temp check out there for uh, some of the bigger targets that we we have left? Well, I, I think we've got we've got some time. We do have a we do have an update. I think on Peyton Bowen. Um, Caleb was just telling me that um, the on Rivals, uh, the Rivals Notre Dame guy, Kyle Kelly, appears to have gotten an, an elusive interview with Peyton Bowen. And Peyton's indicating that he's going to try and make a decision in the next 24 to 48 hours before coaches can start doing in-home visits. He doesn't, he doesn't want to deal with all that. And I can understand that. Um, Denton Geyer is, in a, is, in a, is in a playoff run hunt for championship. So I'd imagine... Uh, you know, Peyton verbaled early back in last, you know, last December. So I can imagine Peyton's going to, that sounds, that sounds, that fits with everything that we've been hearing. So I'm still going to keep Peyton Bowen. Uh, The OU temperature on Peyton Bowen, I think is, is hot to simmering over. So we'll see how that goes. Um, On DJ Hicks, I'm going to keep him on the warm level. Um, The only real news out of that is, his dad has has been given the permanent assignment as head ball coach for his high school. He took over the job as the head coach um, in the middle of the season, so he had the interim tag, and that interim tag has been removed. Now, some Sooner fans are trying to see Aggie conspiracies behind that, and uh, the word we're getting is that it's sort of a positive to OU or neutral decision to OU. There's there's not some. There's not some quid pro quo that's gone on in the background about that with uh with with Hicks. So Damian Sanford, it's still warm. It's a little dependent, I think, on what's going on with Hicks. Uh, our our info is that Sanford really really enjoyed his OU visit. So uh, OU still definitely in play there. And then, uh, unfortunately, I can't give you a, a prediction on Tassilia Kana. Things are just too cloudy. It's hard to tell. He hasn't announced where he's taking his final official visit. I'm not sure where LSU is in this because LSU's been losing and picking up edge players recently. Not sure if it's Tennessee or Utah for that final visit. It's still murky. The only thing we have to go on is that uh, post his Kansas visit, we we had heard that OU, OU was in the lead. But that, that was that's about it. That's about six weeks ago now. So uh, we're and, and Akana has not made it clear when he's going to announce. So I'm not sure if we're looking at a signing day decision or an All American game. It's amazing you have a guy top fifty talent uh, offers across the country has an un- or an official visit left to use, and we're sitting here without a peep out of them have no idea what's going on it's pretty crazy it's pretty funny on three has their whole predictor thing machine and everybody has it's like five teams have like 
50, like from it's like from 11 to 17 percent. So it's usually that predictor thing's usually like heavily weighed on one school or two schools, right? It's like the predictor for AM and for Hicks is like AM and OU. It's like, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30, it changes. But for Akana, it's like five teams and everybody's got like, like a, it's like an Italian parliamentary election. Nobody has a majority to, 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 to rule things. So um, it's like 10% to 17%. So I, I'm not, he seems to have everyone pretty fooled. Well, you've got to like that Venables has taken the lead from the beginning. He's been pretty open about his uh, his passion for uh, Venables. He thinks he's going to be, you know, could be a great coach for him. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think we're still in a really good spot. But again, we haven't heard anything. Um, so you got to like that Venables is that guy. Um, and then we'll see if he can finish that off. Um, and speaking of Venables, um, he's got uh, a new look at this team. We're through 12 games. Uh, we have a bowl game coming up. It's unannounced yet. Um, so now in his first real offseason, he's got a chance to kind of evaluate his roster, his coaching staff. Uh, we've gotten some wind about a few changes that are possible. We've talked about on on Sooners 360. Um Chris, how how would some of these changes possibly help this class? Well, I think I'm not quite sure where where OU's coaching changes are going to be. I think that's probably something we can probably hit next week when I think we may have a little more details. But I can tell you that coaching changes around the country are perhaps opening up some opportunities for OU. Um, David Shaw has resigned at Stanford and... Stanford has two tight end. I think OU wants another high school tight end. And all the activity going on since David Shaw resigned from Stanford and since uh, Luke Fickle has left Cincinnati has brought a number of tight end prospects back into the picture. And I think OU really wants a high school tight end, which will enable them to try Cade McIntyre at linebacker and, and boost that whole linebacker position in spring. So. At Stanford, uh, we have two two players, one from California, one from Texas. The first one is Walker Lyons. Now, he's supposed to be going on a, an LDS mission uh, out of high school. I think he's still doing that. But he broke his leg early in the season. Uh, so we only have his uh, junior highlights to go by. But, Caleb, I know you and I have talked offline about him. Uh, I, can you go ahead and give me just a, give me your, your stellar review of uh, what Walker could bring? Yeah, no, it was stellar, right? I, uh, it's probably one of the, was most surprised by in terms of like popping the film on and you take a look at the kid and, uh, you know, looks like a Stanford tight end, uh, that not of five or eight years ago where they're popping out first rounders, but you know, it's late maybe, uh, and you turn it on and like first thing it sticks out, like he's his, li- he is that listed size, maybe even a little heavier. He's, you know, he is at six, four, 245 pounds, unbelievably good athlete. Uh, and one of the notes I, I wrote down, like he, re- he reminds me of Brock Bowers in the sense that you can see how powerful, uh, and really under control, but how powerful his lower body is, you know, you can just see how much force he is generating, uh, when he, when he puts his foot in the ground and goes to take off, uh, you know, just really strong kid, 
fantastic body control, uh, which so again, that surprised me as well. Uh, you know, it was just expected maybe a different, a different player than what, what was on, on film. Uh, and then you see, you know, those little things like big physical kids like that, you see him really subtly bully some kids and use his body to create separation, you know, uh, and it, yeah, some of the better tight end film I really did. I came away with oh, one of the words, first word I wrote down was like, wow, uh, surprised that he was you know, you, um, as explosive, as powerful as he is. Would you wait two years for him? I think I would. I think with the new rules, right? I think there's, uh, you could effectively oversign. Absolutely. I think you sign him if you can, and then just see, you know, see where it works out. If, you know, sometimes those kids, particularly if he's come off a broken leg like that, maybe, you know, there's a conversation about, Hey, come in and, you know, do your, do your LDS mission a little bit later and let's just get you healed up physically first to make sure that, you know, you're good in general, uh, from a general overall health perspective, maybe you can convince them of that. I, yeah, I think you'd, you'd wait on them. I mean, you'd perfect world. You can convince them to, to hold off on serving the Lord, and come play a little football to you. Okay. Uh, the other guy is Jaden Plant. He's from Texas. Uh, his senior year highlights are, are much improved from his junior highlights. He was more of a big wide receiver his junior year. He's added size and weight, and he's starting to do a little blocking in his highlights as well. Caleb, did, did you did you see that progression as well? Yeah, I saw the exact same thing. I didn't uh, – so I he probably went a little bit deeper than I did on him. I didn't take a big – deep dive on his junior year. I didn't realize that he had was a, as a leaner, uh, more of a flex guy as, as a junior, but you know, kind of the, some of the notes I had was just, he's a big kid. He looks at listed size, maybe even looks a little heavier. He's really thick through the lower body. Uh, you see him in high school lineup, like all your tight ends now, right? You see him in line, you see him in a wing position, you see him in the slot. Uh, he's just a really good all around tight end. I don't know that he's, he's not maybe special in any area, uh, but he's really competent uh, in all areas. So, yeah, I mean, he would be, you know, I think a, a guy you could bring in and, and, and count on to contribute, you know, he's again, got that, as you mentioned, he's got the needed size and, and bulk to, uh, to come in and, and, you know, at least be some competition for some folks. So the, the last tight end, Matt, I want to have Caleb talk about, is um, Jackson McGohan from Cincinnati. He's still committed to Cincinnati right now, but a lot of the Cincinnati verbals are kind of fleeing after Luke Fickle has left. They've lost four or five verbal commitments. Jackson McGohan's still committed. He's all three of these guys, Walker Lyons and Platt, all have OU offers. They've had OU offers forever. And Jackson McGohan's had an OU offer for since, since spring, but OU could never get him on campus. So they're still following him. So I, I think they're trying to see if there's an opening there. And uh, I didn't really think much of McGohan junior year film. And then I, I watched his senior year film the other day, and I just loved his film. Um, Caleb, can you talk a little bit about what you what you just saw in, in, in that film? Yeah, you know, it was similar to you, right? I think Oklahoma started following him. Uh, Joe John, uh, whether they offered or, or started following early in the year. And so you kind of see his his huddle film, right? It's from August that you see, you're seeing his junior film. I think, okay, uh, you know, uh, maybe a good kind of flex guy. You bring in a little bit surprised maybe uh, by, by the offer. Didn't think he had, you know, some of the traits just from a, a you know, physical standpoint that, you know, maybe even McIntyre did at that point. And then you watch his senior film 
And the first thing that clicked over to me, the first thing I thought was, oh, wow, okay, there's a kid that figured out and it's just the light bulb came on for him. Hey, I'm bigger, stronger, and faster than every other person out here. I'm actually better than them. And it just, and he plays with that confidence. He plays just like that. You see him flexed out uh, a lot. Uh, You see them move him all over, you know, play him out wide, play him in the slot, big frame, still long, got room to to grow. Kind of reminded me like Oregon, if you guys remember Ed Dixon uh, out of Oregon. Uh, but yeah, he's extremely competent in all areas, like good hands catcher, uh, really good after the catch. And you even see, like guess some of that, you can see some of the confidence, particularly after the catch, when you compare his junior to senior film, junior film, he's just trying to pick up yards. You see in some of his senior film, he is picking up yards and then, Hey, where is that 185 pound safety that I can go light up just to put on the highlight reel, you know, and go and he does just runs through them. Uh, you know, on his way for like a 40 yard touchdown on one of those clips. So yeah, his, he took a really big jump as a senior. And it's really interesting because fickle, like you mentioned, just took the Wisconsin job and he's been a Cincinnati commit, a local kid from that area. So, you know, what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, does he try to get a visit in somewhere and sign in the early period? Does he hold off and wait and push that out to, to the later period, you know, and that's something that we would talk about maybe this one or later it's an interesting thing for those kids when you can, when you also compound that with the portal, uh, because a lot of kids are going to need to have, have a decision made, you know, even a verbal commitment before a portal opens up because you, as, as guys go into that, you know, Hey, here's a former top 150 player that chose insert school was there a year. Didn't like it. He's back on the market. We really like him. He played some already at let's say sec school, right? Or we've got this high school kid, not sure, but we like him. Okay, let's go ahead and just take the, let's take the transfer. You know, he's going to come in. He's got three for four, uh, and we've seen him play. So you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what some kids like that do who've you know been committed to programs that have lost their coaches. Okay, um, Matt, uh, I think we, I think when we talk about the OU coaching changes, hopefully next week. We'll have to probably dig a little deeper into some of the OU uh, personnel changes that are flying across the portal. Yeah, there's probably going to be a a couple more. We've had a few already, Um, mostly guys that um, hadn't really seen much playing time, already been on the program for a few years, um, just deciding to move on. They're kind of getting recruited over, uh, which is always a good sign. Um, And with the portal, um, you know, we already have one commit as we talked about earlier, but it's, it's portal madness. It's starting. There's all sorts of guys coming across Twitter that the coaches are following. They're doing their due diligence. Um, maybe we'll stick with tight end as we've been talking about. Um, I know there's a, there's an offer that, that you both really like, uh, Kyle Morlock, uh, Caleb, do you want to talk a little bit about him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's a really good looking athlete. I'll say that, right? I think he's listed at 6'7", 245. I don't know if he's full 6'7", but he's, you know, definitely in that 6'5", 6'6", range. Uh, I think he was a, what, maybe at least one year, maybe even a two-time Division II All-American. Uh, so, you, you know, again, you look at him physically, well-developed until he spent time in the weight room. So a mature kid. He's a really big, natural receiver. Uh, you know, wouldn't 
don't call him old school uh, in the sense, you know, given his size, like as an inline guy, but he is that bigger guy, but he's really natural, particularly like up the seam. You see him in the red zone, uh, you know, hands catcher, it, it just, you know, really good uh, receiving target at, at, at tight end. As a rece- as a as a blocker, you, when you watch this film, you do see him on the perimeter some, right? Uh, is it a competent blocker? You see him bearing some safeties, maybe some outside linebackers. The only thing you don't see when you watch this film, and maybe the one question, is you don't see him in line on a defensive end. And, and the one in the other big area that when you watch Oklahoma this past year, what they did with with Braden Willis, uh, you know, and then the Missouri transfer uh, tight end, whose, whose name's kind of. I'm missing here. Daniel Parker. Daniel Parker, right? You would see them align them in that wing. And when Oklahoma runs that mid zone, you'll see him come and he inserts, right? Really kind of by the guard, he'll insert. Effectively, it's, you know, it's like a power, right? But he's inserting right there on the, on the inside linebacker, whether it's usually a mic. Uh, and you, you know, you watch, I think, you know, anybody that loves football, you could watch Braden Willis just get after some guys. And, you know, he probably lost them too. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a very kind of old school physical thing. You're asking those guys to do to, you know, come flying in there and lead up on a Mike linebacker and you don't see him do anything remotely close to that on his film. And at six, seven, you know, two forty five, he's got the size, but you know, also, you know, you are at six, seven, let's say the inside linebacker six, one, six, two, there's a bit of a, you know, leverage difference there. So, you know, maybe you may utilize a, a different, different guy for that, but, uh, you know, a really good offer. I, I see a guy that would come in and and help in the receiving game right away. Maybe there's yeah, Matt, a... he's, got, he's got a bunch of he's got he's got a bunch of offers right now. Maybe as many as ten power five offers. So yeah, I think LSU is in that. Is it, did I see an LSU offer for him? You did. So I'm. I'm I, it's going to be Which interesting is, to see if OU can get him on campus. Yeah, I know. I know Kelly loves tight ends, but like that's that's a good sign, right? Like we've talked on the last podcast. Like, hey, you know, you see uh, Iowa recruit an offensive tackle, you know, and you and you're recruiting as like maybe it's a three star thing. Okay, well, there's, you know, they've got a really good eye. It's kind of the same thing with with Brian Kelly and his staffs and tight ends, and they've got a really good one. That's a true freshman down there, uh, Jason Taylor's son, and so yeah, for them to go out and still chase after him. Uh, and, and and try to get him on that. I think it says a lot about how he's viewed by some staffs. Well, maybe he's a guy that can uh, give you some flexibility. Uh, maybe Levy wants to use him in a new wrinkle. Um, just kind of present a different option um, for whoever's throwing the ball next year. Because, uh, yeah, you know, we're going to be pretty thin at returning guys that uh, have caught balls. So... <laughs> If if we can get another option that can kind of slot in right away and be a wrinkle that we haven't had on tape already, um, that could be something that helps. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel get in a rhythm next year, or if it's Jackson Arnold, uh, get going in the college game too. And that's not the only tight end in the portal that uh, we have an eye on. And the next guy has kind of an interesting tie-in with the class of twenty twenty-three. Chris, you want to tell us a little bit about Samson Aconyula's, I always get tripped up on that name. So do I. I believe it's his cousin. That's right. So one of the other tight ends being followed um, by OU, he just doesn't have an offer yet. He just got an offer from Michigan State, though, is Adam Ole Balai. I think that's close enough. I think that's close. 
and he's 6'7", 240, and his stats at Norfolk State are, are pretty limited, and his, his huddle video of footage is a lot of practice video in it, uh, but he's he's every bit 6'7", he may be, you know, 240, 245. He was a he he's Samson Okun Okunlola's cousin. He plays at the same uh, high school in Brockton, Massachusetts, uh, the same academy. And in 2019, he was a junior wide receiver, six uh, six two twenty five. And his his footage at wide receiver is really very really pretty good. Um, to the point where you're kind of wondering how he ended up at Norfolk State, just because everyone's looking for that big physical, you know, wide out. Um, but 2020, I, I'm pretty sure Brockton, uh, his his academy, Brockton Academy, did not play, didn't play football. So he kind of fell through the cracks and has ended up at Norfolk State. And now he's in the portal and he doesn't have the sort of production of Morlock and the footage of Morlock. But when you see him on film, there's there's just like a lot of upside to like. I mean, this is a real sort of boomer bust kind of guy. Caleb, I, I think you got a great comp on him. Is that sort of what you saw in the film too? Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, you see that, like, uh, you see his receiver background. I think one of the notes I had is like he's he's a he's a real natural. He's a loose athlete. You know, where you watch Morlock and he's I don't want to say stiff. Uh, you know, maybe again, it's just some of the, the weight room development, uh, just a, just a different athlete, but you, you see just a, a looser hipped, uh, you know, more loose athlete and, uh, filet, if that's how you say it. Uh, yeah. and yeah, and I've had David Njoku as a, a physical comp, not obviously, you know, you, you look at like Njoku's production, but when you look at them on the hoof and you watch them run, uh, and just watch them move physically, like that was, that was one of the physical comps. Although I'd honestly say he catches the ball with his hands better than, uh, David does or did rather, uh, he still struggles with that a little bit. You know, I'll say I feel the exact same way. 80% of his film, which you see online, is practice film. I think he caught four balls this past year, 55 yards and a touchdown. Last year was five balls, 38 yards. And I don't know what to make of that because uh, you're like, why is it their production? You know, and then at the same time, I don't know a ton about Norfolk State, but I have seen, like, just looking at them, right? Uh, they're not an offensive juggernaut. Like, they're just not. Uh, they, you know, they average 167 yards passing a game. So I don't know, you know, uh, the type there's not of, 300 yards. There's not 300 receiving yards a game from the chew into. Yeah, there's not a lot. And how much do they utilize the tight end? You know, you, you, on, on his practice, on his film, whether it's practice or game, like you see that same thing, right? A big fluid athlete that can get up to scene. Uh, and, you see, and you see that a lot with like what, you know, with what Jeff Lebby likes to do with OU, you know, whether it's the RPO or those seam routes to that tight end, whether he's in that wing position or, or in that slot, you saw a lot with, uh, with, with Braden Willis uh, and it will utilize that. And he, you know, both he and Morlock would fit in that. It's really interesting though, with the Michigan state offer, like first thing I thought was like, that's smart. Maybe it's a two for one and he's a good enough athlete that you're like, Hey, you know, he's six, seven, two forty five, and he can run and he's smooth. So like, let's just see, you know, it, Better that than, you know, offering a, uh, you know, someone else that you think has no physical ability to play just to get that all-world five-star offensive tackle. Yeah, and he's that classic story. I mean, he also had a COVID year wiped out completely, which yep. as we are, as OU fans are learning, 
um, the, the COVID development process for some guys just got completely scrambled and are having a hard time recovering, really. Absolutely. Yeah. So, that's, that's been a big storyline. Yeah. So for me, uh, Filet, he's, he just seems like that classic NFL draft storyline, right? Um, you know, played, you know, played wide receiver in high school, sat out COVID, went to a small school at Norfolk and then transferred and, you know, and now he's going into first round in the NFL because he's, he's six, seven, two fifty-five, running like a four, six. I mean, it's just, yeah, he, but, or that story, or he flames out completely. Right. It's like one of those two <laughs> things, <laughs> one of those two things is, is, is his future. I'm not really sure. Hopefully well, it's the first one. Yeah. And, if it's the it's former uniform. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was going to get to. Um, well, Obviously, as we already discussed, you know, we're going to be losing a lot of pass catchers. Um, yeah. Theo Weiss has entered the portal. Um, there's some some rumors out there about Farouk. I'm not sure I believe any of those. Uh, Marvin Mims is another guy who's kind of on the, the ledge. Does he go to the NFL? Um, we've heard a little bit about, you know, his parents really want him to graduate. So we might be waiting a little bit on that one. But either way, you know, you're left with just a few guys in the room with a lot of experience um, and a couple of older guys that haven't gotten any catches this year. So we've seen a lot of Twitter activity in the portal uh, following some wide receivers. Caleb, I know you've got a few that you really do like. Yeah, no, I've, I've got, I've got a handful. Uh, there's some interesting guys, I think that have, that have, that have entered the portal. I, you know, one of them uh, and, and Chris and I, we've, we've talked about them a little bit. You know, but it but it's Dante Thornton uh, out of out of Oregon, a big, you know, really good looking athlete, similar in some ways, body, body size, you know, and body type to, to Jaden Gibson, although a little bit bigger, uh, maybe a little bit more, same thing, you know, with Samson's cousin, maybe a little looser, uh, a little more fluid uh, than, than Jaden, but in that mold, I think he was a top 75 you know top 70 kid in the country coming out uh went to high school there in the northeast and, and chose oregon and he's been productive played two years and he does his stats aren't through the roof you know but he but he's gone out and caught balls and been a, been a good player for for oregon and is you know is hitting the portal so i think he'd be a really interesting especially when you see how uh with with Oklahoma and the receiver recruiting, how they've liked size, you know, I think they want size or blazing speed, you know, don't really care to have, there's not enough, you know, I think what they do from a formation standpoint and kind of creating guys open there, maybe not enough to take some of your, you know, maybe less physically gifted guys. They, they want guys with uh, certain traits at a receiver and he's got the size. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll transition to another one. I'm, he's really interesting to me. Uh, and I, I know I've chatted a little bit about, like, just the, what Oakland might do at the receiver position as far as a coach goes. But, you know, this is a kid out of uh, South Florida, you know, Jess Scott, who, who, who coached Venables and, and Todd Bates and Chavis and Thad and all those guys have a relationship with where he was at Clemson for, gosh, you know, uh -oh, more than a decade uh, offensive guy. He was the head coach of South Florida. One of his receivers, Jimmy Horn, has, has entered the portal. You know, when you look at him, it's, you know, he's a smaller, undersized guy to some regards, right? He's more slot, 5'10", 175 pounds, but he can flat run. Like, he can get it. This year, he had, I think, 37 receptions for 550, three touchdowns receiving. He added a couple more touchdowns uh, in the kicking game. And so, you know, you see just a guy that can really run 
Uh, I think I've, I've read somewhere that he's either the fastest or considered, you know, maybe there's maybe one other player there at South Florida that claims they can outrun him. But uh, yeah, one of the fastest players, if not the fastest player on that South Florida team. And knowing that Oklahoma needs to add speed to the receiver room, you know, he would be a guy I think is worth watching because, you know, there's speed and production and uh, and a relationship there with his former coach having having relationships with guys on Oklahoma staff. Uh, yeah, you know, um, for, on, on Dante, just to roll back, Sooner fans probably remember Dante Thornton because he was the guy that burned DJ Graham in the second half of that bowl game. <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting. I, it's Oklahoma might have a better chance to one of his good friends in high school was the, I can't think of the kid's name, uh, Grinch in Oklahoma recruited him and kind of hot and then cold, hot and cold, uh, but that safety out of uh out of the northeast that, that chose Oregon, I think actually transferred last year. Uh it was supposedly kind of a, a part of, you know, Dante getting getting out to uh to Oregon in that class was his relationship with him and how close they were. So maybe it's not all that surprising to see, you know, that that safety uh transferred out, let's say before this year and you know Dante is following. Well and they're they're using uh losing Dillingham uh, he's heading to Arizona State. Um, That's right. I think they have another running back in the portal too. So, <laughs> yeah, it was one of the guys that uh, in that class, like, like banging the drum for in the sense of uh, you know, so Byron Cardwell, a uh, kid out of uh, out of San Diego area. You know, super productive kid in high school, uh, really good looking athlete physically, you know, like in that six foot, five eleven and a half, two oh five range, you know, runs well, uh, put together, you know, just a, a really good high school football player, four star kid, chose Oregon, Oklahoma never got involved. Yeah, he's he's entered the portal as well. Uh, one other receiver I'll throw in there, guys, and it's it's I know I want to say uh either Levy or I think maybe it's uh uh Coach Washington has, has got to follow with him on the, in the portal. Uh, but it's uh, Malik Washington, uh, another slot type guy out of Northwestern. And uh, I know people are like, oh, God, a receiver out of Northwestern. How's that even possible? Uh, he, you know, 5'9, 192 pounds, strong kid, plays strong and really productive. I think if you kind of, if you look at his numbers over the last two years, I think it's over 1,200 yards, uh, you know, receiving over the last two years. And to give you an idea of just, you know, how much Northwestern has struggled offensively those last two years, I think he, you know, has been about a third of their receiving yards over that time period. Uh, so I think he's an interesting kid that, you know, would be able to bring, you know, come in as a, again, as a graduate transfer, mature guy, played a lot of football in the Big Ten. Team he was on, I guess, as a sophomore, right, played for a Big Ten championship. So, uh, you know, it matches up a lot of what Coach Venables, at least in the last portal cycle, looked for as well. Well, we've talked a little bit about some pass catchers. Um, we don't really know who's going to be throwing the ball, likely Dylan Gabriel, but we know we know the talent that Jackson Arnold brings in. Um, but to find those guys some time, um, we're going to have some O-line upheaval in the offseason with uh, Harrison and Morris both declaring for the NFL draft uh, today. Um, so they'll both be heading out. Uh, I know OU's got a couple young guys they really do like. Sexton, Guyton, you've got Green coming in who uh, you know could provide a punch immediately. He could slide inside. He could stay outside. But you know we're still looking for... Maybe even two 
portal O lineman to come in, give some quality depth, um, push some of these other guys uh, for some starting roles. Um, Caleb, do you have any names out there that you do like? Yeah, no, for sure. There's a couple of guys. I mean, probably a handful of guys I'll, I'll touch on pretty high level. And all these guys have, you know, whether, you know, they've got follows uh, by OU staff members. So they're, they're guys Oklahoma's aware of, Oklahoma's looking at. Uh, and that's kind of where they came on our radar, right? Uh, and that is one of them is, is a Rhode Island offensive lineman. So he, you know, FCS, uh, formerly the 1AA, uh, Johnny Cornelius, uh, you know, so he's a three year player, two year starter three-year contributor has played right tackle for, uh, for Rhode Island. You know, he's like, I think it was the first team all conference guy this past year, uh, you know, pro football focus does their, their grading, uh, and, you know, say what you will about it. Some of, you know, there are some things you can isolate there from with their grades and say, okay, they're, they're accurate there. Right. I think we see that with Oklahoma, like with Anton Harrison, you know, they would always ranked really highly in pass protection. And I think everybody watches OU, you know, Anton had been, you know, really good there. Uh, and it's the same thing with him. He grades out as one of the top pass blockers in the country, you know, and coach Beatenboe is following him. So I think that's a really interesting guy. He's got offers, you know, starting to come in from teams all over the country in every conference, really just about, I think he got one from Louisville uh, here a few hours ago in the ACC. And he's got some of the SEC uh, big 10 country. He'll be a guy highly coveted and you're already starting to see some of the FCS guys choose. I know the defensive end on a pin chose UCLA. They're able to enter in a little bit quicker uh, in the portal. So I think he's a guy that's really worth watching. Uh, you know, and then, then just a few more, uh, you know, I'll say, so there's a, a kid, you know, so Marcus Cox, uh, out of Northern Illinois and it's similar story, uh, you know, as, uh, as Cornelius multi-year starter, multi-year contributor kid that's played offensive tackle. I think he's played a little bit of guard, but mostly, uh, offensive tackle. Uh, Oklahoma's following him, uh, good looking, really good looking offensive lineman, uh, Second guy would be it is an interesting. There's a lot of Oklahoma connections here in a sense. Uh, so, but it's Caleb Schaefer out of Miami of Ohio. Uh, his offensive line coach at Miami of Ohio was former Oklahoma offensive line coach James Patton. You know, uh, Patton had a really good run at Oklahoma and was brought in by by Kevin Wilson uh, under Stoops, and you know, he did fantastic. So, you know, you've got guys like Joe John and and Demarco and and, and you know. Even Coach Venables, right? So I've got really good, I'm sure, really good relationship with Patton. He's a guy that's, you know, announced and entered the portal. Oklahoma is is all over him. Uh, you know, again, same thing, right? He's a, a big, strong Midwestern offensive lineman, multi-year starter, plays tackle for them, uh, and just a really good football player. I think he's a guy that could come in and, you know, don't know if he don't know if he's gonna if he's a guy that would start uh at you know over someone like a sexton or if they move bird out to tackle uh to get some run there or if he's a guy that just comes in and, and is able to push them and contribute but he's a guy worth watching and uh you know a third one i'll throw in there uh, again beaten bow follows him and it's just kind of an interesting storyline you think some regard that's just gunner britain uh western kentucky uh, offensive lineman again same story right multi-year starter multi-year letter winner i want to say you know two-year starter three-year letter winner has played offensive tackle for a western kentucky team that has been super successful uh has had big time passing stats you know is it zapka or whatever the uh quarterback is that is the backup you know now for 
the Patriots. And you know, last year they had one of their offense starting offensive tackles, a kid that was booked into him, transferred to Florida, started this past year at Florida. You know, so I think those are oftentimes. You know, I think if we're being honest, it's probably it's it's somewhat rare. And we see this with guys that leave Oklahoma. You know, if you're at Oklahoma for two, three, even let's say four years and you don't play much or you the bit you do play isn't very productive, the odds that you're going to pick up and go somewhere else and just suddenly be really, really good, you know, probably wasn't the environment that was holding you back uh right it's something else but you know these guys that are coming from you know whether it's group of five or fcs that were all conference you know really good players multi-year starters i think those are really interesting guys to watch uh you know and i'm always a sucker for you know midwestern offensive linemen i think it's a we've got a really good uh culture of, of you know again kind of look at the nfl you see a lot of southeastern uh defensive linemen you see a lot of midwestern offensive linemen all yeah, right, Caleb, well, there's, well, can we just oh, just one last guy? I know that you're somewhat interested in Casey Roddick out of Colorado. Um, <laughs> obviously, my first thoughts is, is Colorado is terrible. We can't another another Pac-12 offensive guard from a team that doesn't play well. Are, are, are we going to fall in this trap again? No, I. You know what? Honestly, I'm sure everybody would think that because uh, I think everyone looked and saw you know uh Mattelier was a, as a kid that i just said that pro football focus does a good job in some areas uh, you know pass blocking is the one i don't run blocking uh, i don't really trust them uh and so you know Mattelier was was ranked really high there and he came in and you know definitely i don't know that he lived up to what everyone thought he would be as being a physical force like a you know ben powers at left guard uh, you know but yeah no he's a he's a guy that entered the portal uh colorado has been just you know a cesspool to some regards. I, and some of that I think is more just a, an administration that does not care about winning football. They, you know, they can enjoy being in, uh, you know, uh, being in the conference, getting, getting a lot of money thing with him. It's interesting, right? Is it's a, it's a really veteran guy. I think he was a, you know, uh, 2018 recruit that, uh, would be utilizing the COVID year. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's, he's played in a ton of games for, for Colorado, uh and and been been a good interior offensive lineman i think he's a guy that's that's worth a that's worth a watch you know beatenbow follows him don't know if oklahoma will will go the route of offering him uh you know but also another kid that played in a, a good high school uh program out in california california at say bonaventure so you know maybe there's some some things uh things there from a relationship standpoint all right well we've talked a lot about the offense uh this week um, there's some rumors on defense uh, team wise going forward um, could be a possible coordinator change coming. No, no real news yet on that to report. Um, so we'll get to the defense next week when some of that might get sorted out a little bit. I know we uh, we've talked about on the board a lot about, you know, we're going to need to fill in a couple, maybe a couple D line guys, uh, a couple linebackers, possibly, um, I know they're looking at safety, but we'll get into that a little bit next week. Uh, do you guys have any uh, last-minute additions to uh, to this week's episode? Well, Matt, I think we want our, our listeners to know that we're, we're going to try and record every Wednesday during recruiting, uh, during this recruiting uh, time period in December, and we're close to being able to announce our signing day plans and our signing day coverage. We're going to try and do something special for 
for our members and for uh, for our listeners of this podcast to give you guys some really great coverage on the December signing day, which is the 21st. Yep. And then we do have a full 360 roundtable. Uh, we'll be recording Sunday evening um, just to talk a little bit about the season, um, where OU goes from here, whose fault is it, whose fault is it not. Um, so that's spirited be, discussion. I, I yeah. think it's going to be. Yeah, we've already had some kind of show notes <laughs> passing back and forth and opinions, and uh, it should be a great episode. Uh, Damien's going to join us. Uh, Barry will join us. Kyle will join us. So that should be a lot of fun. All, All right. right. Thanks, well, every, thanks, everyone. And um, please subscribe to our podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on uh, Sooners360.com to discuss all of this, all of these targets, and uh, a little bit of insider news as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.